No, really, what are friends for? Friends are for forgiving, forever forgetting. I'm Gabrielle Ruiz. And I'm Gabrielle's best friend, Pallavi Sastri. Forever, huh? Forever forgetting. Shout out to everyone that knows exactly what I'm talking about. This episode is a personal one, and I talked about it in our like premiere episode, saying I think I'm ready to talk about it. It's been a very traumatic experience at the beginning of this year that deals deeply with friendship and I am in the mourning phase of it um, and I've always mentioned as well especially even in this season um, how grateful I am for therapy and I've been talking to my therapist about it and the mourning stage has ensued and I'm so grateful for mourning stages when it comes to dealing with trauma because I think being sad gets a bad rap Do you know what I mean? Like, I think being sad is frowned upon. Like, there's a disappointment in being sad. And, of course, depression is serious. And, of course, depression can be – it's, like, such an entire color wheel of descriptions. Yeah. For me, I'm – I with this loss of a huge chunk of friends that I'm going to talk about in this episode – is really sad. And when we were writing notes for it yesterday, Pallavi, like just writing the notes, I was just like gushing tears and just still talking through it. So everyone that's listening to this episode, thank you for your indulgence of uh, hearing what's going on with me. Pallavi, thank you for being here for me. Um, Yeah, you know, I wanted to say that um, on the same note, addressing the listeners, it's like, you know, if you've been with us for a minute then it's it's actually not you know abnormal for us to use this space to process to in real time mm-hmm. right like to um use the use the platform as a sort of cathartic way of getting things off of our chest um because i think that is a that's a huge part of friendship is to feel brave and safe enough to share something that you are sad about like it's such a vulnerable feeling so I'm very proud of you for mm-hmm. doing this thanks I remember in our in our earlier seasons when you talked about sexual abuse and wanting to use the platform I was like just wow I mean I was impressed I fell in love with you more as my best friend it was just so important to handle it as correctly as we could you know as we thought possible and appropriate and so um I'm ready to talk about this because it's a solo episode for you and me and where I am in my season of my life. I talk a lot about motherhood on WAF, but you have in the past pitched ideas when it comes to friendship. Um, You mentioned in a few seasons ago when it comes to friendship and religion and how they go hand in hand and how they sometimes don't. And I appreciated that so much too, because you brought that forward here on WAF and it strengthened my comfort not only as a friend to you, but to others, and also my faith. Just literally a humongous, clear pillar of who I am. So it's being myself, mm. and I can be myself around you, and I can also utilize my religion for myself and not for my friends when I'm with my friends. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, it can. It's okay for it to just be for you. Right, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And so I am a I practice Christianity I am a uh, born-again Christian I claim that in my practice 
And um, it's always been difficult since I have loved going to church, not being, you know, forced to going to church or the family would go to church. I really always liked it as a high schooler or a middle schooler. And I loved church camp and I grew up in the church and maybe that's why I hate Halloween because we would go to hallelujah night. You know what I mean? Like we would just like, it was like some fun stuff. So you might guys, by the way, you might hear me cry and you also might hear me sniff because I'm still battling a vintage cold. So use your imagination with what's about to happen. And yes, we do talk about colds like they're vintage, you know, like pre COVID. (laughs) (laughs) Who knew they're still savage? And in my walk as a Christian, I have always struggled making friends and not necessarily Christian friends, but like Christian, Christian friends in my church, in the building, in the location that I would practice and I would visit, I would volunteer. I just have always missed that mark. And I don't think it's to anyone's fault or anything, but in Texas, the youth kids like either were rebellious and were forced to be there or they were just, I mean, weird, you know, I can, I'm not going to go too far into what weird is, but like, they were just like either weird and like it, it, and, and I'm weird too. Listen. Okay. But at the same time, like it just never clicked and I just never had friends. I had friends in my dance school. I had friends in high school, in my choir, but not at my church. And I just always, I always lacked that. And it probably, it's probably a big catalyst of, you know, my development as a friend now, like how I held on and protected myself in my twenties. And we know all that go back to season one. And then in my twenties in New York city, I tried going to church again and the churches were so great. They were huge, mega great churches, but like nobody would talk to you. Like nobody would engage or if they did it just never clicked i mean i feel like i just had always accepted that i was never going to really have friends at my church and i loved my church i loved my relationship with god i needed that two hours every weekend once a week just to like plug in re reset fill my cup empty my cup whatever it was spiritually i even left the idea of Christianity for a while in my twenties and realized it was important to me. It was important to my relationships. It was a non-negotiable to find my partner. I challenged all that and still couldn't make friends. Book crazy ex-girlfriend and a friend whose couch I was crashing on when I booked Valencia before she was a series regular was that, yay, I booked one episode. This is great. I need a place to sleep. And my friend let me sleep over at their house And they were a music leader at a church. And I went to that church and I was, it was a breath of fresh air and it was so nice and the music was great and the location was great. It was great that I had a job that I actually was allowed on the weekends to like rest and do that. The people were kind of cool and the people were friendly and the people were like, okay to like, Hey, let's go have lunch after church. And so every time, every time before that I was like, mm, okay, you know, hmm. but this time I was like, yeah, sure. And it was actually a pretty decent conversation. And it was the first time that I felt I could actually make friends. And what we're talking about today on the episode of what are friends for is the loss of all of those friends, because my family and I got kicked out of our church. And I use those words specifically and powerfully because that's exactly what happened and those people were my friends 
It happened to me. It happened to my family. It happened the first week of this year. And not only did I think they were my friends, but they were my friends. And now those friendships, all of those friendships, basically, except, yeah, all of those friendships in that history of my life and not have been deleted. by your choice. It was not a, a mutual parting. It's not like those friendship breakups that we've referred to um, on the show a lot, right? Where it's like, oh, it's just meant to end. So it's mm-hmm. ending. This was like gut punch, whiplash, all of those things that, you know, it just can kind of came out of nowhere. And, you know, as your friend, your non-Christian, non-church friend, it was it was tough to watch, you know, and we're like, you know, we mm. we did our best to just catch you guys in the in the best way that we could. And you know? you've been there. You've been to that church. You came to some events that Philip and I produced and created there and and the multitude of efforts and the calling and the wanting and the response of the people, the friends there of wanting our help to grow that church. There is still no regret on what we did there. There's still no regret on what we left there, but there is regret with one person when there was a, there was a time at that church where Philip and I were like, you know, we should probably just like at least shop around a little bit. Let's go window shopping at other churches because we're married. We're new. We're a newlywed couple. Maybe we want a bigger church. Maybe we do like a smaller church. Maybe before you committed to going five years ago, right? Yes. Yeah. Right. And before we got kicked out 10 months ago, this person who we'll call Ikea, Ikea, I guess had an inkling because I, we never really disclosed this secretly to anybody that we were looking around and Ikea took Philip and me out to dinner and said, we would love for you to stay at this church. We think you would be a huge impact and growth. And this person is also a volunteer, a member, nothing in any way, paid position, leader, nothing. And it felt great. They told us they were we were important. We mattered. We could help grow the church. And Philip and I were the perfect people to hear that. Mm-hmm. People of faith who actually got shit done. So we stayed. And for the next five years, Philip and I volunteered. He was hired to run music. We were asked to grow ministries and even listen to the calling in my heart to launch and grow a holiday community gathering that at one point had over 80 volunteers and a hundred new people in that building for each performance. And Pallavi, not only did Philip and I love being there, we loved our friends there. We finally had friends in our same faith. But that has been so hard to come by or is hard to come by where your faith is. Like, why is that so difficult? Well, I feel like church for me is not about the building. It's not about the people. It's about my relationship with the higher being. Right. I feel like a lot of religions are like that, or at least aspire, (laughs) at least aspire to start that way that you can be anywhere and practice religion. You can be in any season of your life and still practice being your best self spiritually. And I am a, I feel like that train of thought, that way of thinking is very strong in me because of all of my life of never feeling like I could have friends. And so there comes like a protection, I guess. There comes a protection of of not being distracted with the reason why you're there. I think by experience, any community can have any, can have a sort of distraction, can be someone can take over, someone can 
pull people down. Um, there's competition, there's envy, there's, there's so many things. And that also happens in a church because it's ran by humans, you know, it's, it's ran by people of error. And I used to just go by myself, never for the people. Yeah. You, you would try, you would, and I, and I've heard you say this before, like, you know, you would try to join the things to do at the church that involved groups and you know what I mean? Like, you know, but I guess, you know, that never stuck as well. It never stuck and it never, there was just a disconnect with the human, with the person outside of what we had in common, which Mm. was religion. We had never, uh, we never had any other things in common or there was always the pressure to have another thing in common. And at the church that kicked us out, these friends, these friends of the past, I was able to go to their house and not have anything in common and still love to hang out with them because they were just great people or they are just great people. And I loved that. But I mean, every time except this one chunk of my life at this church, I always felt lonely. I always felt lonely. Do you find that relatable? Like going into like a crowd or feeling a part of a community and and feeling excluded or lonely? Uh, I mean, absolutely. If I'm, if I'm being really honest, it's probably most things in my life up until my twenties. It's kind of the definition of being the child of an immigrant. Yeah. It's kind of embedded Uh with that you know what i mean it's like how do i find things to do that make me feel good but how do i feel good in the environment and is the discomfort of being in the environment worth the passion that i feel for the thing that i'm doing right it's like what what's what what's the balance there so it's like that feeling of of not being able to have friends or real connection you know, you know, for me, it was whether it was school or sports or musical theater in New York, um, dating, like you name it. Like I, I empathize with that greatly. So I get it. And that's exactly what Marissa Mize is doing with No More Lonely Friends, right? At, at this church, I discovered No More Lonely Christian Friends. Like I just, I was able to go there and be like, this is, and not only forced, there was no forcing of like, is she going to be cool? It was like, oh, hey, so-and-so, hey, and blah, blah, blah. And like, how's, how's such a thing? And like, we just got to worship together and then we got to leave or go to lunch. And it just, it just makes me so sad because I can't go into the details. It's not even worth it, but I can't go into the details of what happened and why we got kicked out for legal purposes, actually. But as a volunteer, me, Gabrielle, from my point of view, yeah. myself and my family got kicked out and you and Hari and two other friends we made at that church helped us move out of, helped us move our stuff out of that building. And the main point that I would like to share in my process of like what happened was I have to not only forgive some of those people who were my friends at that church, but I have to forget them. Everything we built, every photo we took, every drink we shared, every bonfire during the pandemic, every prayer circle we have, I actually have to forget them. Like I said before, there's no regret. There is, my faith is stronger for going to that church, but the friends, the humans of error, the, we're all sinners, including, including me. It just hurts so much. And religion is like, it's fucking weird, man. I mean, anyone that puts a higher being in charge of their actual, like, reality on this earth, it's really 
can be embarrassing. You know, there's a lot of embarrassing moments because people ruin things all the time. Luckily, my therapist and I have been talking like months before this surprise kickout happened. So she was able to understand the investment without me explaining it like I am right now in a 30-minute episode. It, there's immediate grace and forgiveness with what happened. But some of my friends from that church who think what happened was downright wrong, they still go to that church. And it's still been 10 months of trying to and accomplish growing new friendships, new friendship, like relationship with them outside. And it's to me equivalent of a broken heart feeling. It's just broken hearted because it's, it can be equivalent to any relationship when you're trying to like, and, and that will happen to me. Like whenever I broke up with boyfriends of the past, there were two that were long term and the question is, can we still be friends occurred? And I said, maybe not for like two years. I need to sever. I need to grow elsewhere because the memories, the familiarities, the the life that was created, it's just so embedded, rooted in my being. You know, you surround yourself, the five people you surround yourself with, you are most like. And, you know, some of those friends from the church have reached out, but it's, of course, it's hard to not say, how's it going? Or, you know, we just had so much of that in common and all those people's names are just, you know, roll off our tongues. And those of the majority, 95% of those friends hurt me and my family. It, it was like, that was sort of your scheduled friend time with them. And then that was removed from the equation. And so and so now that it's not there, I, I guess I have a question for you now. It's like, you know, do you feel do you feel like it's it's on you though to to keep trying with those connections? Like, you know, if it's becoming more difficult, like are you finding it possible to to create new memories with your faith, you know, outside of that specific church community? Well, the the answer to your first question is no, I don't feel like it's on me. It's not my responsibility, at least yeah. not right now, not in this season. There are so many years, like I mentioned, yeah. like deep-rooted memories that I'm taking this time to work on deleting right. in my heart, like my heart. Mm -hmm. This is a death. So I don't yeah. have any space for holding on to those connections. I need them to connect with me. I need Ikea to fucking call me and say, I'm sorry this happened. Not, let's not make it any weirder than it is. I completely agree with you. I'm glad to hear you say that. And that's how I feel. And I don't know if I'll ever get that. And it, 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 it's so, it just hurts so much. And I, and like, again, I think sadness is healthy. I think it's cathartic. I think, I think to be able to hurt means you're human and I'm grateful for it. I'm grateful for this space. I'm grateful for my therapist to be like, you know what? And, and it was weird. Like when it happened in January, there became, there was already the challenge for Philip and me, whether we were staying in Los Angeles, not staying in Los Angeles. And it ended up that we did. Um, the decision was made May 1st. We already had that deal happen. And then it actually the, you know, God took care of us and the prayer was answered and literally on April 23rd. <laughs> and then May 1st, we were like, great, we're staying here. So then I finally had a minute to be like, oh, so I do still live here. And all of these roots are local. I mean, sorry, all of these these hurts are local. So now I 
can't just forget and drive away from this trauma. I actually have to deal and mourn certain streets I drive locally in Los Angeles that make me cry. Oh, it's so sad. That's like basically what I just want to say on this episode, that forgetting friendships is so sad. And the feeling of sadness just means and proves how much you loved that person as a friend. I've heard you describe slash discuss and talk about what these what this community and what those folks meant to you. Because sometimes... And I know it was it was your journey to have and, and it was your time to process and your your commitment to your therapy and whatnot was so necessary. Um, but, you know, I, I, I can only hope that outside of that time that you took for yourself, you know, I help. I, I hope you felt that you were supported, like you had somewhere to fall where, like where, you, you know, while you've been processing and and. And I guess my my you know final question to you is is honestly out of true curiosity is do you feel that your faith determines the depth of connection that you are able to make with anyone based on this? Not experience? with anyone. Okay. Not with anyone. No, yeah. I've I've my life wife Sarah is a yogi goddess and has taught me so much about chakras and, and the spirit of her being. And, and we would have conversations at Casa Sabi. <laughs> I mean, that is like mm -hmm. deep cut New York, if you know that. And yeah. um, we would talk about religion in all the ways more than you and I have. And right. I loved that I had context to compare with her and it was just like share literally we were sharing our favorite books with each other that's what it felt like and i i don't know although i wish and i hope that i can make friends at church again because we've tried we've tried going to other churches and it's we've actually seen other people that left said church and we look at each other like can we be friends? I don't know. Can we be friends? We weren't friends there because you guys left when we got there and, you know, baggage, 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 baggage. And then, you know, someone's trying to befriend me in the nursery and inviting me to their small group. And then all three mm. of them like stomach flu that next week. So now there's more trauma. <laughs> so it's just, I don't know. I don't know. It's not even a question of faith. It's like, I don't know. And I, I enjoy putting worship music on on Sunday mornings. I love that Philip will turn on a live stream and let Merck sit with him and just do that. But man, stay tuned, guys. But that's exactly what's happening right now. I haven't talked about it publicly because we just needed to process. And now I've processed and now I'm mourning and I hope there's healing. I hope that's next. I hope there's enlightenment and I hope there's moving on yeah and I feel like that's relatable for any kind of friendship you know because we do talk about the importance of love being I mean a friendship being love you know and that was there and all of that's gone that died so thank you Pallavi for letting me talk about it because it's our responsibility to share as many facets of friendship that we can that was 
a huge reason why when you asked me to join you, I said yes, because this is life and it's shitty and it's disappointing and people suck, including your friends that died. They all suck. Lightning war! So we decided to go a little left field today, um, do a BuzzFeed. Friends yeah, let's quit. change the pace. <laughs> BuzzFeed. BuzzFeed, you can buzz my feed any day. This stuff up. Um, this was from January 2021. And it was just, what, what I loved about it was just like, check all these boxes. Instead of answer a bunch of different questions, it was just like one question. How many things do you know about your best friend? And then all these boxes that you could check or not. So there was like 65 of them. And what was your score, Gabrielle? Like, well, how much do you out know of 65? about me? 65? Yeah. Yeah. Out of 65, I know 24 out of 65. So like kind of a third. <laughs> <laughs> and then some of them, though, were like, I, yeah, I mean, I could defend myself, but I won't, I guess. Yeah. I mean, some of them were pretty ridiculous. I got 29. I wasn't that much more than you. Um <laughs> Maybe it's because like I I maybe you're just better at like saying what you don't like than I am. <laughs> oh, thank you. Look how I ended this episode. People suck. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, so I but it was fun. Um, so what are what are the two favorite things that you picked out that you know about me? Well, I mean, I hope I'm not wrong, but I think I know. Um, one of them is your favorite food. My mm -hmm. answer is anything Paula B makes for herself. That's a cheating answer. That is not that it's true. <laughs> How can it be a cheating answer? <laughs> Defend yourself. Not an actual food. <laughs> but you know I'm right. Everything you make is like, that's delicious. <laughs> I am pretty great. But I will say that like if there were to be a B answer, I would have hoped that you would have picked the thing that I ate while I was pregnant like every other day. Oh, sure, ramen. But yeah. that doesn't count. It doesn't say favorite food while you were pregnant. Well, I still eat it. It's like po I think I think your food is very emotional for you. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's very therapeutic, which is emotion. Yeah. And when you cook, you embody and exert either what you want in your life or what you need. So that's why it's your favorite. It's your own shit. I'll take it. I'll take it. Thank you. I was right. Uh, you go. What, what was one that you know? Uh, I know your least favorite food and that's Thai food. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Guys, it's Case not in point, happen. I know what she doesn't like. <laughs> <laughs> it's not going to happen. Don't try it. Don't offer me. The that Thai restaurant in LA that I should try. It's just not gonna happen. It's like fetch, it's not fucking happening. Okay, so which family member you're closest to? This is what I think. I think it's Hari. Well, it's interesting though, because here I am challenging you again because yeah, that's what you Because like it's somebody you married, right? It's like it's I was thinking when I read that, I was assuming a blood family member. Mm. That's how I read the question, which is why I didn't answer it for you. Okay. I mean, do you think Phillip's, I'm closest to Philip? No. <laughs> no, maybe I am. I don't know. Who am I closest to? Probably Veronica, honestly, my cat. <laughs> <laughs> that makes honestly, sense. like we just look at each other and we're like, I hey, got girl. you. I got you. <laughs> I, fuck, I love you. You're such a jerk, but I love you. 
Um, okay, so I do, the other thing that I did know is I do know what you look like naked. Um, and I do want to tell this anecdotal story because, uh, well, it's not that like, neither one of us is like, you know, prude in this way. Like we're not, we both came up in the theater and like the the women are just naked in the dressing rooms. It's not like an abnormal thing, but the thing I'm, I think the first time I saw you naked or maybe the only time, I don't know. was when I moved to LA and I asked you if I could be friends with your friends and you um, arranged for the first LA clothing swap and oh. we, were all drinking, we were all drinking rosé and um, you were, <laughs> you know, you were like at, at the end of it, you were walking around with the bottle of rosé, butt naked. <laughs> I was not butt naked. I had underwear on. <laughs> I had, knowing me, I had underwear on and, and okay. If that looks naked to you, that's, that's cute. <laughs> But you were literally like strutting around like you are a rock hat at one point. (laughs) I believe that. (laughs) It's one of my favorite stories. Oh, I thought you were talking about your baby moon. My baby moon. Oh, yes. That was the second time. That's true naked. That was the second time. That to me is legit naked. Moving on. Okay. So one thing I don't know about you is your favorite movie. Yeah, I don't like answering that question. I can do favorite movie in each genre. Yeah. Um, I don't know your fictional character crush. What even is that? See, what that's why I don't is... know because yeah. you never you've never said it. Yeah. Um, I don't know your go-to karaoke song, and I don't know your most embarrassing moment. Okay, I can tell you my my go-to karaoke. I can sing it because my I have such smoky tones with this cold. <clears throat> do you believe in love after love? I can feel something inside me say, I really don't think you're strong enough. Oh, well done. Every time. Every time. My most <laughs> embarrassing moment. Yikes. Um, you're pretty awesome. <laughs> you don't embarrass yourself. Oh, I have embarrassing <laughs> moments for sure. I can remember embarrassing moments on stage, but. Oh, what about that one time you texted Utkarsh? <laughs> And that's a that's my most embarrassing waff moment. So Utkarsh is a guest on our show, and he's crushing it on ghosts and such a great guy too. And cartoons, such a lovely man. Guys, go check out Utkarsh. Check out that episode. He's fantastic and such a wonderful man. Like Kalavi's saying, but there was a group text, and I was really tired, pregnant. Like it was a very like I'm pregnant and tired today, and um, he got long winded, which you probably won't hear on the episode about an with an answer. And I texted the WAF group saying, guys, I don't know where this is going. We're going to really have to like seriously cut all this out. And accidentally, Udkarsh was it on was, that group text. It was your mine and his group text, <laughs> not the WAF group text. You got it right with like trying to get me the message, but you just didn't get the, the rest of it right. And he read it and he he was the first one to write back. He just wrote back while he was still talking. He goes, ha, 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 ha. He took it very well, and I apologize profusely, and he still thinks it's funny, and I still think it's not. I think it's very embarrassing. It's so unprofesh. Uh, okay, I'm glad we decided to end it on that note. I'm glad that you felt um, safe and brave enough to share today. Gabrielle, I love you very much. I love you too, probably. Um, and we will see everybody uh, next time. Thanks for subscribing and liking this episode. Bye. Bye.
One, two, three, four. This episode was produced by Team Access Productions and Fastnickel Inc. and presented by Hoo-Ha-Ha. Our co-producer is Anna Daniker. Our consulting producers are Kathleen Cho, Rose Harwood, and Philip Pisanchin. Head of production is Emily Albright. Digital content director is Susie Cabello. Our digital production assistant is Daniela Aredia Vega. Our podcast artwork is created by Arshwarya Sukesh. Original music is by Joey Sherman. And special thanks to Hari Sabitala and Sara Khan. Don't forget to check out the Hoo Ha website to listen to WAF and all things women-led comedy. And as always, please remember to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast wherever you're listening now. This helps our show's visibility and helps us keep making it for you. And find us on all the socials, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, and even Twitter at WAF Podcast. That's W-A-F-F Podcast. To find links to our exclusive vodcasts, live shows, shop merch, or even text us, visit WAFPodcast.com. We truly appreciate you all checking in with us online. But you know that friend that you've been like, ah, I really haven't checked in with them in a while. Go do that. Yeah, go do that now.